Alright, what's up guys? Um, welcome back to the Little Cross Bucket Podcast. Tanner Demling here with y'all as always. I just wanted to get a quick one of these out today um, to have some significant news across um, the lacrosse landscape today. So did want to just get a few things out here, uh, my thoughts on it, and things of that nature just before the weekend gets started here, uh, recording here on a Thursday. So, um, first off, the, so most of these things, news things that popped out today, um, concerning the pro game, but do have a bit of a, uh, story coming out in the college game as well. Um, we'll start with, uh, MLL as they released. So they released the schedule yesterday. And um, as expected, um, it's going to have 10, 10 games. Uh, it's a 12-week schedule. Each team plays 10 games. Um, so a six-team six season? Yeah, six teams in the league. Each play 10 games through a 12-week season. Um. You know, it, it, it is what it is. I still, like, like I said, like, I still want to know because we don't exactly know the guys that are coming back and not coming back. So that's something maybe to watch. Um, and, again, like, as we get closer to the season, you can kind of um, break down the schedule more. But um, not, nothing too out of the ordinary um, that I see or that I've seen. I mean, we don't have any um, teams playing each other three weeks in a row or three games in a row like we did last year with, I think it was Chesapeake and, was it Boston or Atlanta? They played one of the – two of those teams played each other like three times. Uh, consecutively. Also, so not much, much, much going on there with the MLL um, schedule as was released on Wednesday. Um, I do want to mention it is the 20th season for the league, so I do want to mention that, um, and also they do open the season um, on May 30th with the Bayhawks taking on the Outlaws in a uh, championship game rematch. Um, I do want to mention, I'll get into this in a second, <laughs> um, kind of funny thing here, because um, they do open that with the, that rematch. And then um, teams released the protected rosters today Coming in the 2020 season, the teams not protected will uh, be up for grabs in the supplemental draft, which is on March 3rd. Um, and and you know n- nothing, nothing um, like eye popping about any of these um, any of these uh, protected rosters. It's it's basically just the. Um, rosters from last season. 
Um, and, and again, I mentioned the the you. I, I hate that you have to mention both leagues in one one breath, but the PLL um, is having the new players draft. So we'll see how many of these guys are going over to there because um, you do have some guys that their contracts end like on March first, I believe. Um, so we don't know exactly about everybody there. Um, who will actually be with their teams, but um, just based on last year and everything like that, you um, not too many eyeballs raised from the MLL protected roster list um, at all, to be honest with y'all. Um, nothing, nothing too shocking here. Uh, the Hammerheads are the old Rattlers and the Barrage, uh, barrage, or the old plays. So uh, nothing really has changed, but team names and locations, and obviously um, on one account, uh, coaching staff. So, um, and the Bayhawks have a new head coach and Tom Miliano as well. Um, so just some bits and pieces of news. From the MLL dropping today and yesterday, and um, you know, I've had some people kind of ask me about certain guys, um, you know, being maybe moving. And I've been told a couple names, but I'm not really gonna put those out there. Um, I know some people have, and you can probably go find those. Um, but those, 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 not a direct list. Like I literally had someone ask me, "Can you give me a list of MLL players leaving for the PLL?" Um, no, because I don't have enough names to give you a list per se. And secondly, I wouldn't do that. Um, but there are a good amount of players that are going to be in that entry draft. So I did want to mention that. Um. And overall, like, Lyle Thompson, guys, he's locked in for, I believe, at least this year, maybe next year as well. So 2020, 2021, um, I can't exactly remember what his contract situation was, but he is locked in with the MLL for this year. So um, he's going to be back there with the Bayhawks. Um, so we'll see how things shake out in the MLL this year, uh, but that, that 10-game, because the season ends in August, like, like, like usual, that 10-game 10, um, 10 season for each, I, I like that a lot better because last year that thing was so drug out by the end of the year. Um, it, it was honestly just kind of exhausting, the season was, with how drug out it was. Um, they started like, they started on the same day, May 30th, I believe, and they, they drug that thing through October. Um, so just shortening the season, I think it was, it was really good. That last season just seemed so drug out, uh, drug out. Um, and you saw, was it the PLL they ended in September? 
And so MLL went like an entire month longer. And uh, it, it was just too drug out. And again, like I do think last year they had a schedule that was made for nine teams and then had to quickly flip it to a schedule for six teams. So this year is an actual schedule built for six teams. And I think it's a good one. Um, also, before we move on, this next piece, next two pieces of news, I uh, do want to mention Denver still doing the, the uh, firework thing, 4th of July. Um, Chesapeake will be doing a similar thing as well. Um, next piece of news here coming from the PLL. Joe Fletcher officially announcing his retirement. Um, one one of the more fun defensemen to watch um, in the pro game over the years. Um, three-time All-American at Loyola. Schmeiser Award winner in 2014, as well as a 2010 finalist that year. Uh, helped the Greyhounds to a 2012 national title, if you all remember that. Um Overall, great, great player. Got to see him in person uh, this past summer with uh, Chrome and when they played Chaos in Atlanta. I uh, believe that was his first game in the PLL. And you know, hit, like it, it wasn't so much that he was such a, a, a dominating presence on the defensive end as it was kind of his approach and his demeanor, the way he played the game. Uh, just made it so fun to watch, and he had um, what many called last year the ground ball of the year. Um, absolutely insane play. Uh, believe can't remember exactly who it was, who it was against, um, but you know the ball's going out of bounds. Basically, he just basically swim moves the guy, uh, kicks it through his legs, and then gets it um, you know on the end line and throws it back. Um, so I uh, absolutely um, fun play to watch there. Um, you can go back that in the article I linked uh, the tweet that that player is on that the PLL put out. I'll link that in there so you can go and check that out. So Joe Fletcher. Retiring, and I, I do want to mention this though. It kind of leaves a hole in the Chrome defense, and I think it just increases why, if I'm them, and I believe they have the let's check out um, the draft. Okay, so they will have the third pick in the draft. Assuming either Sowers or Ament go one and two, and if I'm Chrome, I'm probably I'm probably gonna take JT Giles Harris in that third spot to give me another defenseman. I mean, they gave up Chris Sabia, and he's on Water Dogs now. Got picked up in the expansion draft, so. And you have Fletcher, who, and he only played six games last year, but he was like a calming presence for that defense. They never had their full defense last year. They need kind of 
an alpha guy, an alpha dog on the defensive end um, to really to really kind of set the tone there um, because they did not do that at all last year. So I think, you know, if you get your opportunity to get JT Giles Harris, um, I, I I would certainly take that um, at number three because I certainly don't know what other areas Chrome could possibly improve on um, in the draft. Uh, given their position, I mean that you, you could say they you know get get a get a D mid. You could say get a two A mid. You could say you no know, go get another um, all star attackman. I mean, there's a bunch of guys in this draft that you can go get. Uh, but for for kind of what their need is, um, you could say go get a face off man. You know, um, to, to to back up Phil, um, be a second option, but. So they you know, really JT Jalas Harris, I think, would be in my mind the guy or really any other defenseman um in the country that you want to go after would be you know, a kind of alpha defenseman would be my pick there if I am uh Tim Sudan. Now the um some other news here in the NLL as the New York Riptide and Colorado Mammoth have engaged in a trade today. So Colorado sends a 2020 and 2021 draft pick to the Riptide, and the Mammoth receive Tyler Digby, the leading scorer for the Riptide, 36 points this season. Now, with you no, know, and when breaking down this trade, I'm, I'm going to look here at, at, at the Riptide first. So, looking at, at what they have, you, you have Kieran McCardle, you have Connor Kelly, you know, you have um, Tyson Gibson, Travis Longboat is another rookie that I, he's only played six games, but for what he's done, has been impressive. You have a lot of guys that maybe. Getting Digby out of the way maybe opens up some space for some of these other guys like a McCardle to go off the way that we thought he would. Because heading into this season, kind of the, the, the talk around the riptide was the defense needs serious help, but the offense is going to be pretty good. Well, what it's turned out to be is, honestly, yes, the offense is fairly good. The defense is not very good. Overall, the team is not very good. And I think a lot of it is them still kind of setting in, especially on the offensive end. I think the defense has improved over the season from what I've been able to see, but this is an offense that feels like it's just starting to settle in. So I think maybe kind of the thought process here behind trading Digby is it's going to open up some space for some of these other guys that we thought were going to step into bigger roles, roles right away. It's going to help elevate their game, give them more of an opportunity 
to make a name for themselves, to make a big impact on a night-to-night basis than if we had Tyler Digby, who coming in the season with after getting traded from New England to New York was viewed as you know the most prolific scorer on this Riptide team. And he was. He was. Now, I don't know if he's maybe made the made necessarily the impact at times that people expected him to make. But when you're on a team, an expansion team that is just starting to settle in, um, offensively, that can happen at times. Now, on the flip side of this, looking at Colorado, it reminds me a lot of, now this is only one player involved, but it reminds me a lot of the trade that they did last year with Rochester, which is now Halifax. Corey Vitarelli going to Colorado in exchange for Ryan Benesh, and I believe there was a draft pick or two in there as well. Corey Vitarelli really gave Colorado a spark down the stretch. And while a lot of it, I think, was just Rochester getting the guys out of there that they didn't and building the team they wanted to bring to Halifax, and that has seemed to work um, wonders this year, a big piece of that, and this team, Ryan Benesh has played very well in Halifax. Corey Vitarelli is in Philadelphia now, and he's playing very well. But last year with Colorado, he made a gigantic impact, helped to lead them to the playoffs. They get that big win over Saskatchewan. They ultimately lose in the what was it, uh, Western Semis, uh, Western Finals, to um, Calgary. So it kind of emulates that for me here where I'm thinking Tyler Digby, they need help on that right side really, really bad. Pair him up there. You have Eli McLaughlin. You have Ryan Lee. So him and Ryan Lee on that right side. You got Eli McLaughlin that can do some work. You got a lot of guys on that offense, a lot of younger guys on that offense. And I've mentioned that before is how Colorado is kind of going for a youth movement here, and it seemed to work um, so far. You know, they've hit some rough patches this season like every team does, but, um, you know, having a, having inserting Tyler Davey into an offense that features Eli McLaughlin, Ryan Lee, Jacob Rue, Kyle Killen, I mean, that's a pretty... It's a pretty good offense here. Pretty good offense there in Colorado. And Digby also brings some brings some size to that right side that they don't necessarily have as well. So all around, I think this is probably obviously I think it's it when 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 you first see it, you kind of raise some eyebrows. Um when you dig a little deeper into it, it um, kind of makes more sense into this um, than it doesn't, um, especially for Colorado, especially for New York, where you look at it and say, you know, you're trading away your 
you're leading scorer. Why is that? Well, you know, I, I think they are kind of just getting him out and saying, let's build around some of these other maybe younger guys that we have on the roster now that have showed some promise. So we'll see how things turn out there. Um, the Riptide play New England next week. And the uh, so another team play this week. New England plays, um, excuse me, New York plays New England and Rochester back-to-back nights. Next week, Colorado plays Philadelphia next week as well. So we'll see how things turn out there with this trade. Um, Tyler Digby going to Colorado from the New York Riptide. Um, Colorado is sending a 21 and 22 second round draft pick in exchange. That is all the time we got for today, y'all. As always, uh, hit us up on social media at Lacrosse Bucket, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. On the website, lacrossebucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.